Hello and welcome to Say That, podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining us here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. All right. Okay. A man who may be a comic drunk from the 30s. We'll see <laughs> how things progress. Also joining us, the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. Hello! Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I apologize. I think I was chewing Fritos during Matt's introduction. <laughs> Oh, wow. I can't be mad at Fritos. The old Frito paws. You know, if we, if we were talking about a sunship, maybe if we were talking about just a, t- a normal Lay's potato chip, yeah. that'd be insulting. But it man, got to take time for Fritos. That Fritos are important, and if you disagree, you're just I'm wrong. telling you, dude, yeah. when, when you haven't had a Frito in a while, and you throw one in the old gullet, you realize, dang, I think the Lord Jesus loves me. That's it. That's it. You know, the theology comes from many, many places. Some people look at a sunset. Some people, you know, the beating heart of their their infant child. (laughs) Lee looks at a bag of Fritos. Yeah. And here's what I'm saying is, isn't Lee happier than the rest of us? Well, you know. Just wandering down that that aisle in the grocery store, just just in awe of the love of the Lord. That's and we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but Frito pie. Oh yeah, dude. that's how you oh, get it done. I believe oh, you right. want to pronounce it the Texan way, Frito pie. Frito pie. All the emphasis goes on the T. That's a lot, been a lot of fun, but now we have to get to serious business. Serious business. Ser- the serious business of declaring Whoa. an emergency. Of serious business because we've got the idea, folks. Ooh. We've oh. come up with uh, low, low these four hundred episodes. A lot of okay ideas that we kind of thought were going to break big, you know, uh, unicorn based, uh, unicorn puppet based dating advice. Sure. Um, you know, kind of drone based Christmas, uh, uh, pageants, eighties hair metal revival. Sure. Right. Revival tours, you know, double meaning on revival. Releasing badgers in churches to kind of, you know, up the interest. Sure. Yeah. Just amp everything up. You know, the, uh, the, uh, surprise lock from the outside couple skate. Yep. And uh, you know they're all good ideas, sure. But yeah. they just didn't—they uh, didn't capture the zeitgeist, right? They didn't really catch the moment. Okay, but I think we got one here. Okay, I'm gonna tell you this is a confluence of many events. We've got a beloved character from this show, so we own it, which is good. Yeah, mostly we're gonna you know we're gonna we're gonna tangle with some lawyers from some company no yeah. one's ever heard of called Disney, but I'm sure we've got better lawyers than they do. <laughs> yeah. um, so we got that. We've got and we've got the thing. That the people love. Yeah. And the people love guilt. Yeah. Here's the end of this show. We fight against the guilt a lot. We say, no, it's not about that. It's about grace and, right. and forgiveness. But you look at the, the Christian books and you look at, mm. you know, what's what putting them in the big churches and eh, it's not grace that's <laughs> doing that. They love the guilt. Guilt yeah. sells. Yeah, guilt sells, indeed. And here's the thing. We, we've just never been able to really make the guilt ours. Our heart wasn't in it. Right. That's right. We tried the shaming and the guilt, but we're all, you know. We're all the the three of us in Chicago are all the least Christian people in any given room we walk into, so it's yeah. hard to. And we have no shame. Yeah, yeah and that's the thing. Is, yeah, we don't. That, Glenn is missing that part of his brain. That's correct. He's been studied that's by neurologists. Right. I've been tested. It's called Tracy Morgan disease. <laughs> he carries right. it. That's so true. But I think we have an in. Okay. You have to use a character sometimes sure. to capture. Wow. Yeah. So it's not yourself. So I give us all the gift. Of Pastor Palpatine Jed. So this is Palpatine Jed 
as a pastor. <laughs> well, we figured Palpatine, we were talking about, well, the, I'll give you the Genesis. Three of us are talking about the Star Wars movie. Yeah. And Palpatine, and he's kind of a shadowy figure who runs a giant evil organization. Right. And is trying to recruit people. Yeah. And it got mega churchy real fast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He has a lot of power. Mega church pastor. Yep. yep. Palpatine Jed. The Lord be with you. <laughs> and also with you. <laughs> lift up your hearts. <laughs> we lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks <laughs> to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise <laughs> and a good and a joyful thing. <laughs> It's amazing. Here's what I'm saying. I'm just waiting for Jed to say the word, you know, like to come up with some Bible verse that has the word good in it so that he can do the classic Palpatine. Good. Good. <laughs> good. <laughs> I like it when Jed does, take it. What take the it. Strike me down. Your first hanger. Well, that's the thing. Here's what I'm saying. It's a church is a crowded marketplace. Yeah. Currently. There's a lot of them. Yeah. In certain parts of the country, there's one at every corner. Yeah. And, you know, what makes them different? Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, we got an organ. We got a guitar. We got, yeah. you know, you get Jed. Yeah. In the robe. Yep. Doing that. <laughs> yeah. You rig up the lightning hands. <laughs> oh, yeah. At yeah. a little point. You're coming back. Yeah. You're that's absolutely come right. Back. You, you get the, the full cosplay element of that. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's what the people want. Well, you know, so many churches have already invested in the fog machines. Right. right. They've invested in the effect lighting. I mean, let's really put that stuff to use, man. Well, you know, you're making a good point because what we're we're going in a direction that we're not acknowledging, right? And here's the direction we're going to: it's the theme park ride. Yes. Oh, oh yeah, it goes like with yeah. the movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. So it's like you know, Jesus, the ride. <laughs> <laughs> we're crossing so many lines. Yeah. It just slams down on like the little things. It's like the Simpsons. So the royal coaster slams down on you, and just hear, uh, just that's, hear from a booming speaker. Genesis chapter one. That's right. Verse one. That's right. And you get you you wait in line. You get on the ride. And it's like a whole. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah well, it, I think what we're pitching here is the theological theme park. Yes. It's a yes. fallen world after all. That's right. <laughs> Who Splash Mount Cana. Oh, right. yes. yes. Oh, yes. Well, and, and much like, you know, so I grew up in Florida, right? Indeed. And so you've got you've got Disney, but of course, there's there's Disney, but there's also Epcot. You know, sure. there, there's there's a lot there. And so I like the idea that, that there are different parks for yes. different theological persuasions. You've got Calvinism land. Wow. Oh, sure. Obviously. Yeah. Well, you, if you're predestined to Yeah, land. you don't know if you got a ticket for that. <laughs> you can't buy a ticket to Calvinism <laughs> That's land. That's right, yeah. You, <laughs> but your you, name was already written in the life there. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You've also got the Arminius Adventure. Oh, I see. Anyone can decide sure, to that go was there. Like anyone. Absolutely. <laughs> Who knows? So, you know, I mean, it's... But I, th I think the, the theological theme park, I think... We've been looking for get-rich-quick schemes for a while now. Yeah. I think we finally landed on one that can be made it, to work. This has got to work. It's got to be. And, and here's the other thing, and it takes back to Star Wars saying, where else does Disney have to go? Yeah. yeah that's right. You have the Disney stuff. You bought the Marvel stuff. Yeah. You bought the Star Wars stuff. You bought National Geographic, which is on Disney Plus for some reason. Like oh. they just needed a fifth thing. Sure, um, but here's the deal. Uh, I feel like they're just throwing money at enough stuff. Yeah, I feel like we could get you know we could get a couple hundred million dollars for theology land. Sure. Yeah, and you don't have to buy the rights. That's true. There you aren't any rights. I mean? 
you know, you, it's already in the book, so you just <laughs> go to town. You, you know, you just you put that together. You get because what what is if you think about it, Christmas, the Christmas cantata, and you yeah. got the everybody puts on a bathrobe and sure. pretends to be Mary and Joseph. Sure, you know yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. We're already headed that direction, well, pretty much. Let's go the full. Distance. Not only that, Glenn, but also you got to remember when you take your family to these amusement parks. You know, at a certain point, you're going to need some lunch, and you know you're going to go to some restaurant where they're going to charge you, you know, $19 for a hot dog or something like that. I mean, you could get some exorbitant right. prices for the Eucharist. Oh, oh, wow. There you go. Okay. That's right. Well, let me see if I can kind of bring some of this together. Because, I mean, of course, so if you think of Disney, I mean, they have the theme parks. Not yeah. so they have the intellectual property, which may be the biggest thing of all. Right. But I'm, I'm told, um, you know, by my friends who have young children, that they actually own, like, resorts as well. Right. Like, so mm-hmm. they have, you know, hotels and hotel properties and these kind of things, right? Yeah. Why don't they just own some churches? Wouldn't you consider attending oh, Disney Church? Wow. I think people oh. would. <laughs> Willow Creek presented by Disney. I think about three quarters of people listening to this would, yeah. would vastly pervert that over whatever they're doing. Also, right now. this just stopped being a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and now this is going to be one of those dark things that happens. Like uh, worship is being led by Iron Man himself. Right. Well, that's but, what we need cosplay church. Yes. You I know, mean, you take yeah. your kid, your fussy kid, to the nursery. And it Dude. is a officially licensed Sleeping Beauty, right? Or wow. the, the frozen lady who meets so, her there. Come Here's on. the thing: is can Palpatine Jed actually exegete Psalm 34, where he says, "Taste and see that the Lord is good." <laughs> you want to impress your friends with your biblical knowledge, don't you? Take it. Take it. <laughs> Copy me and give me no credit. <laughs> no, I I think this is a winner. You get Disney yeah. to buy the church. Yes, yes. We'd I, all be happy with that. Dude, sure. if I could go... It's all going that way anyway. Oh, yeah. If I could go to a worship service and the worship band was at least half composed of animatronic pirates yes. from the Pirates of the Caribbean Come ride... On. Or, that, for the early itself. service, the Country Bear Jamboree. Yes! Well, it, well, Dude. The, the Pirates of the Caribbean is like uh, the, the, the bones are rising up. The, bones there, with the value of dry bones, go. dude. Come That's on. Here's what I'm saying, though. Look, Disney now owns the Muppets, so we could go to a worship service that is led by uh, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem from the Muppets. Come now, you're, you're talking now. about church talking now. We're talking about animal. I don't, th- I don't think that little plexiglass thing is going to hold animal, but we'll give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 You, there's a gift shop. Obviously. You know, and you got your like your your Bible themed uh, Marvel character on yeah. the cover. Which cover do you want to get? Collect them all. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Collect all the Avengers. Oh yeah. You just a lot them. of Hawkeye Bibles left over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not moving the Hawkeye Bibles. <laughs> you know. Let me tell you what. You if you sell if you're decide you're gonna sell a a Hulk smash Bible. Yeah, I'll buy one of those. Absolutely, right there, you know? game over. I'm talking game about over. you got you because one of the big outreach things that churches do, as I understand it, is the VBS. Because mm-hmm. kids got to do something for summer. You get the kids; they they like the church, and the parents want to come. I think, yeah, yeah. Oh, what we're doing, you know, it's the you know Bible Land or whatever. You got yeah. like we've officially licensed Captain America. Come on, leading our VBS. Oh, oh dude, dude, that would work. 
Just yeah. the whole thing's about that, you know, the shield of righteousness, he's got it. <laughs> it's red, white, it's made out of vibranium. That's what I'm talking about. Do we get, at some point in the Disney church, an audio Bible that's read by James Earl Jones? Obviously. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Yes. Well, I think that's the that's the voice that does the announcements at all times. <laughs> Welcome to Disney Church. Well, I, I was going to go like a, a, a Nick Fury reads the Bible. Oh, yeah. Come uh, on now. I might get a little sweary in parts. Yeah, I don't know, well. if, I don't know if Samuel's going to make it all the way he through. He can't read that. the book of Galatians. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but, you know, that's, I think we're, we're on the right ballpark with that there. It's a true fact that every single day at Disneyland, I believe at 9 p.m., that they set off fireworks okay. over, over the Disney castle. It's Sounds a, right. It's a true fact they do it every single day. Um, and here's what I'm saying. To incentivize people to stay for the whole service, you set off fireworks, that's a huge right. fireworks display, actually at the end of the sermon. That's right. Because you, you did wow. it. You made it. That's right. And how do you set it off? Palpatine Jed Lightning hands. Oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely. Right. Yeah. You think your friends can save you? <laughs> As Dr. Teeth shuffles back on stage, putting in his inner monitor, because he forgot what the last line of the sermon was, even though he'd been told it. <laughs> that, here's the thing. Everything that we've said for the last 15 minutes or so has been completely insane. Right. Not by our standards. <laughs> but I think... I, I, if you don't like this idea better than what's happening on Sunday morning where you're at, you need to <laughs> contact us and let us know. We need to hear about that church. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Because uh, this, is, uh, this isn't the worst thing I've ever heard of here. No, if there could be any <laughs> sentence, and we'll close out on this, any statement that better sums up the last 40 years of particularly American church culture and culture in general better than... Disney presents church. <laughs> I cannot imagine it for good or ill. And on that basis, we will declare emergency off. Now, we don't have a bridge box land yet, but we could. Oh, yeah. One of these days. I don't know what it would, uh, I don't know what it would entail, really. Maybe, you know, just we would build rides based on Glenn's sermons and you could, you could ride, the, you know, that we'd ha- obviously be pumping in the music that Jed and sure. Lynn and Let's Talented Friends make for us. But for now, Bridgebox Land lives in our imaginations and in your inbox. On the first of every month, for only $8 a month, you can sign up to get lots of encouraging good stuff into your inbox. We are looking, still entering into the month of February. We're looking at making slow progress. Things are going well, not quite as late as you'd like. We talked about that on the show before, and it certainly is something that we all deal with. So you lots of good stuff on that and different topic every month, missionusa.com slash bridge box. All right. We're going to jump to our first question here. It has all the way to the end. I use some ways to get in touch with this, or you can scroll down into your episode description and click on the links there. First question comes into our email inbox and says, how do you handle a church or people within the church who have been spreading rumors about you, but particularly to make someone who was interested in dating you not to be interested I, it equates to serious slander and has led to deep heartbreak. They've also told people not to marry you or date you behind your back whenever someone is interested in you. How do you deal with that in a godly way? And, uh, you know, uh, whatever insane stuff we make up about church, uh, actual church always beats us. Because that's, that's some truly, that's not one of the fun TV shows. That's like a CW TV show. Yeah kind of thing. That's that's definitely a terrible thing. We don't want to skip over that part of it. But Jed, I, I love, and this is what I love about our audience, uh, we have someone who has had something critically just 
world-bendingly uncool happen to them, apparently multiple times. Yeah. And they're looking for, how do I deal with this in a godly way? Yeah. Which speaks amazingly to the character of the person right and to the people who listen to the show, but where would we start them off with that? It's a great question. Here's the first thing, in, in some ways the most important thing. We are so sorry uh, for mm-hmm. what you have dealt with uh, and what has been done to you. We, uh, we're praying for you. We love you. We've got your back. Uh we should note for our listeners who are not the question answer, uh, asker that there were some details included in the question as it came in that, that we're not repeating where this is a really messed up situation. Um, yeah. This is a really, really messed up situation. So that said, there are a million ins and outs, um, and we'll, we'll try and hit on at least a few of, of all of them. But the bottom line is go to a different church. Yep. Uh, the, the bottom line is it is time right now to never, ever set foot in this church ever again and to go somewhere else, starting right now. And I suspect that is not what you want to hear, and I'm really sorry for it. And and I suspect, just based on a few things that you said in your question, that you've probably been going to the church you've been going to for a long time, and that it may in many ways be kind of the center of your world, the center of your social life, the center of your relational life. And we have a certain number of questions that come in where kind of our bottom line, as it is here, is you need to go to a different church. And that that probably sounds pretty much along the lines of, well, why don't you just turn everything in your life upside down and be cool with it? I know that's a big ask. I know it's a big ask. And and um, I respect the difficulty of what you've already faced. Uh, I respect the difficulty of what I and really all of us are going to be suggesting to you over the next couple of minutes. And I um, appreciate the difficulty of what that would look like. So let's let's explore the idea of leaving for a minute, because I know that these other brothers are going to get into a lot of those ins and outs of kind of the finer details of, of what's been done to you. I think one of the things that we often wind up with in life is a choice between the devil we know and the devil we don't. Um, uh, If that's not a phrase that you're familiar with, the idea is we have a choice between a not great situation that we're at least familiar with versus a situation that might be not great, but we just don't know anything about it and we don't know what it would be like. And human nature for most of us most of the time is to go with the devil we know, is to stay with a situation that we know is not great, but that um, we, we know how it works. We're at least, if nothing else, we're familiar with it. That makes sense. We, you can track the emotional logic of it. But here's the thing is, I think one of the tricks that the human brain plays on me, and I bet it plays on you, I think it plays on all of us, is to tell us that whatever we're dealing with, it's kind of like that everywhere. There's not really a point in changing because the, the the experiences I'm currently having, it would probably be about like that everywhere else. So we actually, when we talk to people about the churches that they attend, we actually hear that all the time. Um, they, they People will say in their own words, in their own way, well, I figure pretty much every church is more or less like the one that I am in. And that is not true. Like at all. That's not that's not even a little bit true. Churches vary wildly in, in all kinds of ways. The yeah. stuff that you are facing in your church it is not like that everywhere else. There are better churches than this. I promise you. So if part of the concern is, well, I don't want to go through all the heartbreak and all the difficulty of leaving behind my church and then finding a new church, and then it's just more of the same. If that's part of your concern, that is not something you need to be worried about because other churches are actually not like what you're dealing yeah. with. So we, we want to be clear on that. We also want to be clear that... One of the things that causes people to want to stay on in a a really messed up church situation is the idea of, well, it could get better, and I don't want to to give up 
on something and not give it the chance to get better. And again, you can track the logic of that. You can track the certainly the emotional tenor of that. If what you've described in your question, you describe it as having happened multiple times. This is a repeated thing. What I want you to know is if it had happened one time, it would be absolutely unacceptable. It would be absolutely a deal breaker. And the only way that it wouldn't be in that very first instance, immediately time to leave and be somewhere else would be if leadership immediately stepped in, rebuked the people who had been involved, maybe even asked some of those people to not attend this church anymore and gave you their assurance this sort of thing would never, ever happen again. That's the only way that even in a one-time situation, it would make sense to stay here. But it's not a one-time situation. It's a repeated thing. Here's what we know from that. It's not going to get better. It's not going to fix itself. It's, it's, this ship is not going to ride itself. So it is time for you to move on. The next, um, I think, kind of protestation that people often have about leaving their church is an idea of, but I, I might minister to people who are here, and there might be people here who are depending on me. There might be people here who, who look to me for help and support, and I don't want to abandon those people by leaving here and going to another church. Okay, that's, that's a noble thing. That's, that's, that makes sense. We can track the logic on it. What you are describing for yourself is a toxic situation. Right. It is a not just a negative situation, but a toxic and an abusive situation. It turns out you're actually not setting an example that is good for the people that, that you may otherwise be ministering to in the church by staying there. So it's actually not helpful to them to do that. Again, what this all leads us to is that really unpleasant but really necessary ending. You need to leave this church you need to go somewhere else. We know that's hard. We know that's not what you want to hear. We love you. We're praying for you. We've got your back, and we do want to dig into all the other details related to your question. That's absolutely right. That's that's the the place to start this off. We do want to start digging into this stuff. And Lee, I think a good place to start with that would be uh, the leadership aspect that Jed brings up. And the question we're mentioning, this is, does not sound like this is something that's coming from the pulpit, coming from people above. If it's right. the kind of church where people are doing this, we can make assumptions about what's being said up there, but those are just assumptions. Particularly if we're dealing with someone who might be, you know, talking about people interested in dating me, so that could be a college-age person, could even be a high school or younger-age person. What are the kind of things they could, if they want to give a shot to the leadership of this church, or even if they want to say something on the way out, what are some things that that might look like? Yeah, that's a really good way to frame this, and, and I want to echo Jed that we're so sorry for what you're going through. Um Really, really uh, proud of you for reaching out about it. And uh, unfortunately, Jed's exactly right. It is time to find a new place to to worship, a new community of believers to be a part of. And if it were me, I would seek a meeting with someone at, on the way out in, in leadership. If for nothing else than to raise awareness of, hey, you have this going on. Um, you know, it, I don't know if you know that this is what's happening, or it could be that that the the culture lends itself to that kind of a thing. Churches tend to have kind of a culture about them. the The friendships and stuff like that tend to have kind of a culture about the way that they work and what the kind of economy of of friendships and culture are in the, in the church. And so it could be that that would go nowhere, but it it would be worth it for me. To even approach that conversation with with somebody in leadership to let them know, this is what's happened to me. This is uh, a hurtful thing that's going on that you need to know is going on. But like Jed is saying, if we're looking at a repeated situation, this is this is going to be something that either the leadership 
has no ability to handle or they have no interest in handling it. That leads me to a very specific piece of advice. Um, there's something about the way this question was framed that makes me feel like, and, and, and if I'm wrong about this, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm wrong about it. But there's something about the way this question has been framed and the way this whole thing is set up that makes me feel like you are in a big church kind of situation. And the, the thing that I would suggest is not only is Jed right that it's time to move on to a different church, but I would suggest going to a small one. I would suggest going to a place where it would be an extremely normal thing for you to have a conversation, a sit down, like, you know, coffee or cheeseburger with a pastor, uh, with, you know, somebody that's in youth leadership or somebody that's in worship leadership or the pastor himself, like somebody that's an elder of the church or something like that. A, a church that's small enough to where you don't have to wait six weeks to be face-to-face with somebody who's in actual leadership of the church. That is, um, that's a unique thing these days. Um, I, I talk to so many people who, uh, they, they are in church situations where they're like, I could never be face-to-face with the pastor. I could never be face-to-face with somebody who's in leadership of this ministry or whatever. But you want to be able to have those conversations. Um, you want to be able to... Like wherever you go next, it needs to be a place where you can sit down and have a conversation with somebody in leadership and say, "This is what has happened to me, and I need to know that that this is that your place isn't like this." Jeb was talking about the devil we know and the devil we don't, and um, the assumption that every place is the same. You need to have the chance to have a conversation with somebody who would be as appalled as we are. As we read the premise of your question, somebody who would look at you and say, you need to know that as a child of God, you should never, ever have been treated that way, and somebody should have stuck up for you. Um, Unfortunately, (laughs) a lot of times, you're going to have a a face-to-face conversation with somebody in leadership in a much smaller church, in a small group type of situation where you get to... um, you know, honestly, where not just the squeaky wheel gets the grease, where you just, you can sit down and hang out with somebody that's in leadership and you can talk about what's troubling you. Um, That's the kind of situation where you want to land. You want to land where you have the chance to sit down with somebody and have these kinds of conversations, somebody that can assure you, we don't have that culture here. We are not about that here. We are about making sure that, that we are working in just in the just the concepts of discipleship on what our relationships and friendships and and all of that kind of stuff is like we're not perfect we're sometimes we limp across the finish line but we are working at being the kind of place where everybody feels welcome and everybody feels cared about and everybody feels cared for these are the kinds of conversations you can have um that that you should be able to expect to have at a place where you're going to be able to grow um you could approach a conversation in leadership in the place that you need to leave. I don't know that you're going to get it. There's something about the the premise of this whole thing that makes me feel like you would be on a list 30 people long to be able to hang out with somebody in leadership, and it would be six, eight weeks before you would be on anybody's daily planner. But where you want to land next is a place where it would be a completely normal thing for you to be able to hang out with, 
be friends with, have a, have a cup of coffee or a cheeseburger or a phone call easily with someone who is not only in youth leadership, but maybe even the pastor or an elder of the church. That is indeed something to shoot for, a really, really good word. And Glenn, let's let's take another look at that. Let's go a little deeper in that side of that conversation, as Glenn is, as, uh, Lee is pointing us to here. Um, obviously, the way we all want that to work is you sit down and say, these people were maliciously spreading rumors about me and an intent to hurt me, and it's it's bullying, it's abusive, it's totally unacceptable. Yeah. And the first the person who say, who are they? I will go talk to them now. They don't go to this church anymore. That's right. That's We can't have that. Um Based on what we know about church, um, it's equally as likely they say, oh, did you guys have a conflict? Right. Was there conflict here? Right. And particularly if you're a young person who's not used to this kind of stuff, that push for, I mean, maybe I could have been one, maybe people wanting to date me was an aggressive move <laughs> and they have a point too. It's something, it's ridiculous, but it is something we probably need to explore to be ready to yeah. be inoculated against it, right? Well, that's right. Uh, certainly to be clear, if I was the head of this operation, you would not be the one going and someone else would be. Uh, and also, it, it, I'm with these fellas. Uh, we're just sorry that this has happened. And for the record, um, I've been a victim of a similar type of thing. It wasn't the same type of rumor, but it was a rumor of a sword, if you want to put it that way. Uh, And just people being jerks in general and backbiting and that kind of thing. Uh, I want us to start with this then. Um, You know, if somebody says something bad about a guy on TV, I heard that that actor was doing something. That's bad, and also it's, it's... not biblical either. Yes, it's bearing false witness. That's right. Um, and it's rumors, which is also in, in the Bible. But if somebody w- does the same thing with your grandma, it's a different thing. Hey, wait, mm-hmm. that's my grandma. Don't talk. Take your filthy mouth off my grandma. That's thing number one. We're not going to be doing that. You need to get, get talk about somebody else's grandma. That's that's somebody I know. So first of all, if you, you should be getting that respect, period. And if you're not, that there is is an, enough of a reason to walk out. Uh, people who, if you've earned that respect, you've built some trust. And when people trust you, they take you at your word. If someone says, hey, look, I heard something. I don't know if it's true or if it's not. If you've earned that respect and if you've built that trust, you look them in the eye and say, my word of honor, that's not true. That The, the rumor or whatever's going mm. around, whatever it is. I'm telling you it's not true. That should be the final word on the subject. Mm -hmm. If it's not, not only we got no respect, we have no trust. If you've earned trust and you're not getting it, what even is the basis of this relationship What uh, with you and the rest of the people in this church? There isn't anything, you know, again, I, I totally agree with Jed. You know, I, and it was the same situation for me. I grew up in this church. I these are the people I knew. This is the only Christian experience I ever had, and now it's turned into something toxic. These are you know people who've come in, at, you know, after me or whatever it is. So I feel like I, I've been here longer. Why don't you go away? Yeah. Why do I have to go away and leave all my friends and everything? Uh, but when it's toxic, we've got to take that cue and move on. Um, and I think it's important as we walk away from this for you to understand there's nothing wrong with you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
if everything that they're trying to say about you somehow was true in some dimension, this would still be an awful thing to do. Yeah. The idea that they might have any kind of a point is right out. But that 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 uh, sort of misses the point that they are doing this because they have issues. Yep. You don't, this is not what a healthy person would do under any circumstance. Therefore, they're not healthy. These are not well people. These are not people who are capable, if they wanted to, to be family to you, to be supportive and encouraging to you. Is they're broken on a level, they need to have somebody help them deal with. If they're not getting that help, if they're not asking for that help, if nothing's going on there, it's time to move on because we're just going to be subjected to more of this behavior. You deserve to have people who trust you, who love you, who respect you. And yes. we are on that list, by yeah, the way. No uh, so we want to see you get that with the rest of your, your Christian life. That's absolutely right. Um, all, all these the stuff these guys told you is spot on. It's exactly right. We will take a quick moment to uh, deal with the scenario of I can't leave this church. I don't really, I don't mean the way these guys are saying like it'd be hard to leave, but if that's literally my parents, this is where they go, and this is a thing, or I'm the pastor's son, or whatever it is, is I cannot not attend this church on Sunday morning. Um, uh, A, that super sucks, and we're double sorry for that. Um, Find somewhere else that your spiritual needs are getting met that's not this. That could be it could be a youth group, a young life group. That could be a small group from another church. A youth group, a youth group meeting during the week with other people. That could be go to a church service on Sunday nights if you have to be here because you have to be there. That super sucks, but you kind of you would do better to in a weird way. And I just not say kind of write this off. Like I've for whatever reason I have to be in this building from eleven to noon. But I'm not going to put any more in it than that. And I would still, even that situation, suggest what Lee was talking about. Tell the people in charge. They need to know this. Uh, this kind of stuff rarely only happens to one person. Yeah. And it's something yeah. we're saying you can get a read on it. You know, we're a bit cynical on this show. Is there a very small uh, chance that the youth pastor or the pastor ever does the right thing and cleans house on these people? Probably, but maybe. And it's certainly not going to happen if you don't say anything. So. Uh, say your piece, and but if it's important to get good fellowship, um, good encouragement, good spiritual uh, feeding, if you can get that somewhere else and not here, then that's ideal. If you have to get that somewhere else and still put up with this for a limited time until you graduate or whatever, then that, that's worth doing too. Obviously not an ideal scenario, but we do want to make sure we cover it. We're going to move on to our second question here. This comes in anonymously and says, I pray, I worship, I serve, but I still have problems letting certain things go, and people around me do the same thing. I want to change, and a change is needed. What should I do? And Leah, I'd love to get started off here. I really like this question because I yeah. love the, the kind of, okay, I did that, now what questions we get occasionally because, <laughs> you know, pray, worship, serve is a big one. We talk a lot on the show about that transformative experience serving, but that trans- those transformative experiences are not entirely automatic. You don't just start serving in a cool way and all your problems disappear. And as we often talk about the show, as you start growing, you're going to realize you have some new problems and hangups and yeah. issues. So where do we start with someone who's doing all the, all the basic stuff right and now needs to focus in on that kind of a more micro problem that they have? 
Yeah, I love I, I love this question too, and 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 I love it for a very similar reason to what you're talking about, Matt. Because there's this there's a really kind of bright eyed optimism to the the young Christian who you know like would tune into a show like this and say, "I hear you." So I'm going to worship and I'm going to pray and I'm going to serve, and then my life is going to be transformed. And we're all like in our you know. 30s, 40s, 50s going, yeah, we still got a long way to go. You know, I, I remember Glenn saying a thing about, uh, you know, just kind of knowing a lot of Christians who like, if you gave them a truth serum, they would say that they're pretty much all almost there. Like, they're, like Jesus is perfect. Paul's like 95% and they see themselves at about 89.5. Yeah. And, uh, and there's this, there's this thing where I realized, you know, I turned 40 this year and I'm like, dude, I still got a freaking long way to go on this thing. Like, it's still really ugly at times. And, and I look at this question asker and I'm like, yeah, I do that stuff. I worship and I pray and I serve and I still have a hard time letting things go. I don't know exactly what you mean on this, like in the sense of like, are you talking about sin? Are you talking about anger? Are you talking about like somebody pissed you off and you're still upset about it? And what I would say is like, if that's a multiple choice, give me D, all of the above, because I know how all of that feels. I still got stuff I'm having a hard time letting go in the categories of sin, anger, and people who have pissed me off. So I, I know how all of that feels. But what I would say is I want to think about growth over uh, – we talk a lot about on this show about kind of uh, the real versus the ideal. Um, that that we often think like if I, if I do these things, kind of like a, a, a simple machine, like if I plug this in, then the yield that I can expect is – this kind of automatic growth or full growth, like boom, I'm there. I'm already at my goal kind of thing. And what we want to do is we want to aim at the ideal and we want to be honest about what the real is. I'd love to think about this whole situation out of the spiritual realm for just a second. I want you to think about the fact that, uh, I want you to think about something like hunger. Okay. Like hunger, when you were a kid and you felt hungry, what you would do if you had your choice was you would cram as much candy into your face as you could fit inside your face. Like, if I'm hungry, then what I want to do is cram just junk, just like Cheetos and candy inside my face as much as possible. And when you get older, the funny thing is you realize that doesn't make me feel very good. I'm going to put something else inside me. I'm going to put a different kind of fuel inside me. But the weird thing is the hunger feels exactly the same. When we have certain things that we feel, uh, certain things that, you know, certain temptations or certain emotions about certain people or, you know, certain kind of hangups about certain relationships, those things feel the way they feel. It would be repression to say, I don't feel tempted or I don't feel angry or I don't feel pissed off at this person. That would be repression. That wouldn't be honest. But as we grow, we learn how to deal with those things more. We grow in learning how to have a healthy response. Just in the same way that like at age 40, I'm not going to cram as much candy into my face every time I'm hungry as I would when I was eight years old if I had the choice. Now, at the same time, every now and then I'm going to cram some candy into my face, even at age 40. And when I'm at the movie theater and they say, do you want butter on that large popcorn? You can believe that I'm saying, 
on every layer, honey, on every single layer. Put the butter on the popcorn. Like, I'm still making some of those choices, but we start to become more wise about the way that's going to make me feel. We have more understanding about that. The funny thing is, the hunger feels exactly the same at age 40 as it did at age 8. We just learn how to handle those those feelings in a different way. You feel what you feel, and you're going to get better and better as you grow at learning how to deal, how to do with you know the next step off of what you feel um i think a huge part of this too for me just just kind of in my personal experience and going forward on learning how to let things go whether that be temptations or certain emotions or certain you know funky relationships or whatever is surrounding myself with the right kind of people um because we've all had that friend that like when you feel really really upset and you express that that all they want to do is gas you up further. We've all had like that person in our life. And then, you know, that that leads to nothing good. But as we grow and we mature, we learn to kind of find those friends who allow us the space to, to vent the way that we're feeling, um, but also have the courage to call us when it's time to pump the brakes. And that's another part of this process, too. I think part of the thing that's growing is learning how to handle, uh, you know, I've got things I need to let go, whether that's temptations or certain emotions or certain old feelings about old relationships that have gone bad. I need to make sure that I'm talking to people who will allow me to be honest and truthful about that, but can also call me so that, call me on my stuff so that I don't, you know, act out in an unhealthy way. I'm still going to feel the same feelings that I've always felt, but I'm as I grow, I learn how to handle that in a more healthy way and I want to surround myself with more healthy people so that I can so I can do that in a way that is showing that growth. It happens over a process, it happens little by little, but it's not something that you flip a switch and automatically everything has changed. That's a really really great point among many many strong points that Lee made there. Glenn, I'd love to get you to pick us up there because I think um, we may simply need to look at the letting go aspect here. Yeah. Um, as, as exactly as Lee is saying there, you know, you're doing the right thing, you're, you're moving forward. There's still going to be this stuff that drags with you. And yeah. I think it's easy for us to think of, well, as I move on to do good stuff or move on to do you know, healing work and all stuff, that there, there'll be a certain amount of natural letting go. Right. And that's true. Sure. Um, yeah, there are some things you have to let go of to do a thing you want. Um, yeah. But there are some things, sometimes, some issues that we have to be a little more active about not letting those things weigh us down. And it's a bit more of an advanced move. But we're not, when we're in that advanced stage, how do we begin thinking about that? Well, I, in full disclosure, uh, letting go is my number one struggle. I mean, I struggle with it a lot in an effort to overcome it. But if if you're if you're wrestling with it a lot, that's that's not an area of strength for you, you know. Uh, so I, I get it. I, I you know, it's tough to let things go. But I think it's also important. We were we were just talking with the rest of the staff about uh, you know a, a workplace where things can be kind of toxic, and you just end up absorbing it like a sponge but if you think about it you think about online culture where you're interacting with people there uh and also what you're reading on your news app those kinds of things you know emails or whatever conversations you have with your friends i want 
us to look at how much of that involves shaming. And that it, it, that includes people who really deserve it, quote unquote. You know, in other words, here is something awful, and it deserves to be condemned, and we just shame it. We shame it hard. We shame it a lot. And the part that you don't realize of what's happening to you is you are not letting anything go. You're not transcending anything. You aren't overcoming anything. You aren't understanding the way this, the way this works. You're not growing uh, while that is happening. You are just de- further reinforcing your own negative uh, whatever's on that. Here's the other thing. We looked at your thoughts inside your head when you're not shaming these other things that you feel deserve to be shamed. How often are you shaming yourself for mm. things in your past and whatnot? This is a lot of shame, man. This is this is not good. It's tough to let things go when we've just been on an endless treadmill of pointing at something bad and saying that is bad. There has to be more to life than this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is not wisdom. This is an insight. This isn't growth. This isn't having important opinions. It's just pointing at something bad and saying that's bad. Here's the other thing that's going to occur to you as you as you move through, particularly through a, a, a digital type of life, is that whatever you love, whatever you really deep, deep down love, there's someone who can't wait to tell you that that's awful. Mm. That's the shaming culture. Because it doesn't work if it's already awful and someone tells you it's awful. That's not clickbait. It's clickbait when it's something you thought was the only thing that's good and right in the world. I love this cartoon with the people. Well, you know, that's secretly a thing and whatever, and it's a terrible thing. And you're like, (laughs) you ruined the only fun thing, and you shamed it. And I have no defense against that because shaming is all I'm doing all day. And that's all I'm doing to myself all day. So you you can see where the problem comes in on all of this. How do we reverse that? Let's think of it. uh, I'm just giving you one simple idea on this. Find the biggest monster in your life, whatever that is, and find compassion for that person or that thing, that situation. Mm. You're free then. You're free. You've overcome this. You're bigger than that problem. You have your foot is on the neck of that situation. If it's a if it's a parent, if it's a step parent, if it's a, you know an old trauma from your past. Here's the thing: I think we get the sense that the more you think, the more you know something's wrong, the more you're supposed to shame it and condemn it. But the truth is, when you have compassion and understanding for that monstrous thing in your life. Only then can you see how wrong it is, because you understand what's going on. And o- only then can you look at that and say, the, this person has done something horrible to me, but they've done that because of something horrible in their life. And this person, instead of dealing with that, they just put it on me. They didn't stop that cycle. So the wrongness of that becomes more clear and more sharp. But here's the other thing, is you look at yourself and say, what happens if I don't break that cycle? Then I'm no better than this person who did this to me, and I, don't, I, I can't live with that idea. 
So that allows me to put the blame where it goes, and it allows me to have the, the right marching orders moving forward of what I need to do. That is all really fantastic stuff. And Jed, I'd love to get you to pick us up there because uh, not only do we have trouble letting go of things, yeah. uh, just as natural part as, as sure, what I was yeah. talking about there, most of us aren't wired for it. I think there's also some deprogramming we need to do with the idea that, man, that, mm. that guy who held on to like that time he got cut from the freshman basketball team, that's what really made him great. Oh, yeah. Like, he really nursed that grudge to greatness. Yeah. And even if we don't fully buy into that, I think there there's uh, can be an idea as we're moving on of like, I mean, I know I'm supposed to let go of a lot of hurt and grudges, but not this one. This is the good one, right? <laughs> sure, sure. Well, I would, I would offer, uh, dear listener, I would offer two questions that um, are hard won and have been very useful in my life in trying to figure out how to let go of things. And, and perhaps they will be of use to you, and they pertain to what Matt was just describing. The first one is, do you believe that displeasure motivates you? Do you believe that shame and anger, and bitterness, and resentment, and fear, do you believe that those things motivate you to be a better, more potent version of you? Because if you believe that, you're really going to have trouble letting go of fear, and anger, and shame, and bitterness, and guilt. Why would you let go of something that motivates you? I think you should look at that because I think those are actually terrible motivators. And I don't I don't mean terrible in terms of sinful. That's a separate conversation. And you should ask whether or not they're sinful motivators. Hey. But I'm not even I don't even mean that. I just mean are they effective? Because we do as a culture, we do a lot of myth making about motivation. I mean a lot. Yep, yep. We're like really into it, way more than we think we are. And we really preach that anger is the ultimate motivator. Almost all action movies are predicated on the idea that the hero got angry enough and then that carried him through to the dispensation of ultimate justice. That's every action movie. Every sports movie is the kid who got cut in ninth grade and he never forgot it and he just worked hard forever and then he won. Yeah, there's never a, a stirring arc about the team that has the most natural talent just won. Also, yeah, he was he was never just six five and stacked. Yeah, no one believed in him. <laughs> like actual professional athletes will say that. I know I mentioned that show before. There's a guy named Tim Tebow. And I apologize for the sidetrack. Like a couple years ago, who he didn't have much of an NFL exactly. career, but he was like a huge played quarterback at Florida, won two national championships, was a five star recruit and a number one draft pick, and he did a, a, a commercial for some like supplement company. Ended up with no one believed in me. It's like you got recruited by the University of Florida, dude. <laughs> As everyone, a homeschooler, everyone, everyone believed, believed in you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So to that to that exact point, we as a culture, we preach this. We're in love with these ideas that the unhappier you are, and the more you nurture that in yourself, man, the more fuel you're going to have to get where you're going. And I'll I, let me be an, just a voice of one in your life says, I've never found that to be true in my life. Right. I, I've never found here. Here's what I've found. Cause I've really experimented with unhappiness. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't want to be a casual <laughs> user of it. Right. I want researched it. I, I want to do the deep dive. I mean, and here's what I found is it's completely not motivating at all. You keep waiting for it to kick in. You keep waiting for that anger to, to get you to do whatever you're supposed to do or that bitterness is like, yeah, huzzah, but it never happens. 
I've never found here's what I found is if you get super pissed and super disgusted and super whatever the the negative displeasurable thing is, I think you can be motivated off of that for about 48 hours. And then it's gone. Because it's an emotion and emotions burn off. Mm. I don't think it is in any way possible to remain motivated off of uh, bad stuff, off of displeasure. And I think we actually kind of sense that, which is part of why we don't let go of things so we can rehearse the thing that happened to us so we can get more anger and shame and bitterness and guilt so we can get another 48 hours of motivation towards our goal. Friend, that's a terrible way to live. It's not a Christian way to live. We really need to underscore that. Jesus was super clear about forgiveness, which is another name for letting things go. It's not a Christian way to live. It's not an effective way to live. It's not a good or happy way to live. There's a verse in the Bible that says, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Um, There is so much more motivation to be found in joy than there is to be found in anger. So much more. But here's the thing about it is no, nothing in our culture tells you that. There are no action movies about the dude who's really happy and content and satisfied, and off of that he decides to make the world a better place. That would be kind of an amazing movie to see, but that movie does not <laughs> exist. Although I'm kind of really enjoying imagining it in my head. You know, it's it's Jason Statham, and he's in you know he's in the police squad, and so he says, "We're gonna get these guys." We actually, I'm pretty good. I'm feeling. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, you know what? I'm just feeling good. Maybe I, I should get do back. this paperwork. Zachary, exactly. just get back a little bit. <laughs> I just, just want to interact with the community, make make people feel safer. Let's just pay it forward, fellas. Come on. <laughs> One other very, very quick question for you to look at is when you've got something you've been rehearsing over and over and over and finding new layers of wrongness, is there actually more to be mined from that experience? Is there more that you haven't looked at, really? Because I think that we oftentimes, I'm not in any way suggesting that you live in denial or repress things or don't look at things, but if you're willing to boldly and assertively look at things and be honest about them, I think it's easy to... Get what you can out of looking at a bad experience pretty darn quickly. And then we get to the point of, is there really more to look at with this, or are we just rehearsing a bad experience over and over again? Again, there's left and right limits on this. It's easy to go to a place where we're not willing to look at at tough stuff we've been through, but it is also easy to get to a place where we've gotten what we can get out of this. We've looked at it. It's time to move on, which is the thing we want you to be able to do. I, that's all very excellent stuff from all these guys. One thing I will tack very quickly on to the end of what Jed said, I think it's a really good point about another thing that society kind of lionizes that we can definitely get let out of control. That idea of not being afraid to look at the hard stuff. Like that's, that's cool. And that's a virtue to a point. Yep. If you're only thinking and looking at unpleasant things, that's not going to help. Nope. That's, that's just kind of dwelling on awfulness as opposed to, uh, not being afraid to look at it. Those are definitely different things. We move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously and says, how can I be real and not be fronting, but also be happy and satisfied all at the same time? And Glenn, uh, I think it's a great question. It actually picks up on a lot of what Jed was leading us off in that last question about this idea of um, it's good to be happy and satisfied. It's also good to acknowledge when things are going wrong in your life, but those aren't necessarily at odds, are they? No, I you know, I think it is a, a real uh, dichotomy here. I want to be real. I want to be honest. I want to be my authentic self. Uh, but, you know, at some point that's going to appear to be at odds with this life of uh, being happy and satisfied. I, I can 
be unhappy and pretend that I'm happy. And, you know, that appears to be what I'm called on, but to be authentic and then I'd have to be happy all the time. Or otherwise, I would just walk around telling everybody that I suck. Well, here's what we're... Uh, I, I want to circle back to that if you'll follow me. But let me take you on a bit of a journey. And here's the first step on this journey is self-validation. What is right and good about you? Are we sure we have a full inventory? There's a lot mm. that's busted and broken and messed up about you. Oh, Lord, we could write a book about all the things wrong with you. <laughs> I know this because there's a lot of things wrong with me and also everyone else in the world. So that's fine. But that's for another show. For this show, for this episode, what's right about you? Do we know all of that? Do we, do we have a full inventory? Have we listed it out? Are we clear? What does God think of you? Just like, not what you do. Just you. Just you as a person. Yeah. What does he think? of you does he like your style does he like your personality like the way you does he like the way you you know just your take on things and so on and so forth not when you're at your worst but you know when when you're just being you does god dig it if you can't answer that we aren't going to get to how do i be uh, authentic and how do i deal with uh, life and happiness and all these other things it starts with that self-validation, that sense of, you know what? I had a conversation with God, and he said he thinks I'm pretty cool. So what does it say about you if you're not on board with that? Hmm. You're either not paying attention, or you have some funkiness in your life you're trying to put on me. Okay. And the answer to that is no thank you. So we have to, we have to start with that validation. A second thing behind that is we have to get off the comparison merry-go-round. Here's the thing. You can be comfortable not doing the comparison thing if you have that self-validation we just finished talking about. So, for example, I'm comfortable. If you want to know what my weaknesses are, I can give you a full list. And I'm not worried. Here's why I'm not worried. First of all, you deciding to judge me off of that probably means you're pretending you don't have weaknesses and you don't have problems of your own, which means uh, uh, you're, you're fibbing to all of us about yourself and setting yourself up in a way that I don't want to be associated with, so I don't really care what you think based on that, so that doesn't make any sense. Here's the other thing. I'm confident that the people who know me know that I'm working my little narrow behind off trying to make the world a better place. Yeah. It's messy. It's not going great. And I am an imperfect, dull tool in the hands of the Almighty. But I'm going after it. So I'm, And I know that about myself, and I can validate that within myself and say, hey, I'm trying something here. It, it, it's, you know, it may be messy, but I'm definitely trying something. So therefore, I don't mind telling you about the messy part because I don't see you trying. So you, your thing looks great, but you ain't about anything. So I don't think that counts yet. You know, when you get down here in, in the mess and start working on things, then, you know, then we can compare. But the funny thing is when, you, when you're dealing with someone who is authentic and is working on themselves, they don't look down on you 
at all because they're they're right. focused on their own thing. So that therefore the whole comparison thing makes no sense at all. And if I have that self validation, I don't, I don't get on that. So then the the final piece to that is recognizing that that honesty then is the path to that contentment piece that you're looking for there. If I'm honest with myself and aware within myself of who I am and who how God sees me, if I'm being my authentic self and other people know me, warts and all, then there isn't a, another shoe I have to worry about dropping. There isn't, I have to wonder what if people actually knew about whatever, whatever. If I'm being my authentic self and I, and I have people that I trust that I can be accountable with and I can talk about you know the, the really messy stuff in my life, then I can get to that place of being very contented because I'm, I'm being myself and people are loving me, they're respecting me. I, this is what the whole world is searching for. If I can't mm-hmm. be content with that, I can't be content with yeah. anything. But that starts with that validating yourself and getting off the comparison thing. That's a really excellent point. And Leah, I'd love to get you to pick this up right there because I think right along with comparison uh, comes another aspect of things we need to manage, which is expectation. Yeah. And how does that play into what we're looking at here? Yeah, well, you know, it, it's so interesting because I, I feel like, for one thing, I love everything that Glenn said about this, and and I was kind of looking at it from a different angle of of contentment in our situation, um, not just you know con- kind of contentment about who I am, but also kind of contentment in my situation. What's my life situation like? And I think there's a thing that happens where we when we don't know how to manage expectations. It's very easy for us to set up a scenario in our mind of like, okay, this is my goal. This is the scenario that will make me happy or that will validate the the purpose or the meaning of my life. And until that thing happens, exactly as I've laid it out in my mind, I cannot be happy. I cannot be satisfied. I cannot be content. And what we need to do is to set a realistic goal of, I might want that thing to happen one day. And I hope that it does. But in the meantime, I'm going to see that as a goal that I'm setting out in the future. And right now, today, I am working towards something like that. I don't know if it's going to be exactly that. I'm working towards something like that. And so that allows me to be really proud of my progress today in working towards that and proud of the fact that um, I am where I am and I am satisfied in what I've done today and how I'm moving forward and how I'm accomplishing the 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 you know the little goals that I am and celebrating the little victories of today. There's a there's just this funny thing that happens when we set up this is the one scenario that will make me happy to where it's this down the road kind of thing that if that doesn't happen then I can't be satisfied or content. I can't look at myself and be proud of who I am or or what I have in myself or anything like that. Whereas if I can set up this thing of saying, I hope that this happens. And in the meantime, I'm going to do today as well as I can do it. I'm going to do today with as beautiful an attitude as I can do it. And I'm going to do today moving toward the goal of me you know, being the person that I want to be or, or uh, being a part of the things that I want to be a part of. And I'm going to look at that as a gigantic victory. That's the kind of, that's the kind of attitude that can allow us to look at ourselves with some contentment, with some self-satisfaction, even if we don't find the exact, you know, kind of pigeonholed uh, goal that 
is for a lot of folks is the only way that I'll be happy. And, and if anything else happens, I'll consider it a failure. We've got to be able to look at the the process as something that we can be proud of and moving towards a goal as something that is also an accomplishment worth celebrating. That's absolutely right. I think that's very, very good stuff. And Jed, Lee mentions moving towards a goal there. And I think that brings up another important concept here. We're talking about kind of this, this mix of the ideal and the real, which is, are we being realistic about our expectations? Are we being realistic about kind of the honesty and the validation that we're talking about? And there's also, are we, being, are we being realistic about the pace at which this should be happening? You know, man, that is such a good question. That is such a good question. I think pace is one of the things that people think about the least when they think about making changes and, and just growing and improving in their lives. Uh, but if we think about it in a different context, we, we all know it intuitively. I'll, I'll tell you what I mean. So um, – any car that is at all functioning, like at all, can go from zero, from a standstill, to 60 miles per hour eventually. I mean, any, like, if your car can't do that, we probably do need to take it into the mechanic because it's, you know, it's, it's not really functioning. Any functioning car can eventually go from zero to 60 miles an hour. Now, if you need that to happen, say, in two and a half seconds, well, you'd need one of the finest automobiles ever made on planet Earth. So... Pace takes things from something that pretty much anything can do to something that's hyper-specialized, all depending on our expectations of how long this is going to take. And here's the funny thing about that is I think most people get their expectations of pace plucked from the randomness of their own thoughts. I think yep. they completely make it up. And, you know, if you're if you're actually not super into cars... And I should say, it's almost never a generous expectation. Oh, never, never. It was a harsh one. You know? Ab- absolutely. Yeah, someone, you know, how long should this take? I don't know, a week. Based on what? You know, you know, how, how, you know how fast should your car go from zero to 60? I don't know, a second? No, it's going to take longer than that. We have a way <laughs> of just making things up. And as Glenn says, they're almost never made up in a way that's going to be kind to us. And I think we really, I actually want to talk for a second about kindness because I think this is really important. Almost any change that you could think of that, that you would need to make, there's a pace that you can do it at that would not only be achievable and doable and sustainable, I think there's a pace that you could do it at where you might almost enjoy it, which is, that's kind of an amazing idea. Making a change and enjoying it seems like the impossible dream, but I would put out there, I think for a lot of changes, there's a pace you could take it where you would not only be able to do it, I think you'd be able to enjoy it or or at least aspects of it. But I think most of us, most of the time, are trying to do things about five times faster than what that pace would be. There's the pace that would be sustainable, and we can definitely do it, and we might even be able to enjoy elements of it. And we're trying to do it five times faster than that. And I think the bottom line reason that we're trying to do it five times faster than that, it'd it'd be easy to say it's impatience, and that's in there. That's part of it. But I think it's unkindness more than anything else. I think it's a bottom line unkindness towards ourselves of, no, you don't get to do this at a relaxed, enjoyable pace. You do this now, because if you had been responsible and good, you wouldn't need to make this change. You'd already have it done. We're in this situation because you, person, self, you suck. That's why we're dealing with this. So no kindness for you. If you refer back to our previous question, we are now trying to motivate ourselves off of awful. 
which is not going to work. It's, it's just not a good idea. Here's the thing. You not only can you take things at a sustainable, comfortable pace, it's the smart move to do it. You deserve to do it. And I would go so far as to say that in the huge, 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 huge vast majority of cases, God wants you to do that. There is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It comes from the Old Testament from the prophets, and it says, the one who believes will not be in haste. Mm. I want you to think about that. And really look at the places in your life where you feel like you need to be in a hurry and you need to do this quickly. And I think you owe it to yourself and to the happiness level in your life to ask why, why you need to be in a hurry. Is God asking you to be in a hurry on this? Do you think there's something in the Bible that's demanding that you be in a hurry on this? Because again, the Bible says the one who believes will not be in haste. I'll offer you one more thought. You say you want to be happy and you want to be satisfied. People have actually studied these things, like academically, how, what leads to people having happy, satisfied lives. And here's a really cool thing. They found trends that perfectly correlate with what the Bible says. Um, so this is good stuff yeah. to know. Here's three things that in general they find. Community, a sense of growth in your life, and the opportunity to give back. Let me say this again. Community, a connection to a group of other human beings, um, the ability to grow, to in some way evolve and move forward in your life and some ability to give back. That's, you know, that that stuff tends to unify people in feeling happy and satisfied in their lives. The Bible would agree with all of that. God wants you to have a community for sure. You are meant as a Christian to grow in all kinds of ways, and absolutely, uh, giving back is one of the defining characteristics of living the Christian life. But here's the three things about community and growth and giving back. All of them, if you're doing none of them, they can all be, be begun today. And they can all be grown in today. They can all be improved upon today. But none of them can be perfected today. You can't be in a hurry on any of them. If you insist, no, I need to have a great community and I need to have it next week, you can't do that. There, there is no way to make that. It would just weird people out. I need you to be my friend and I need you to do it right now. That is weird. <laughs> people are not going to respond to that. But you can begin working on a community today and you can build it a little bit at a time. Same thing with growth. Same thing with giving back. But that pace element and being okay with a relaxed, comfortable pace, that's the thing that's going to allow us to not only begin that process, but to keep going on that process and even to learn to enjoy that process. That's such a good point. All these guys gave you some excellent, excellent stuff on that. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. If you want to keep that anonymous, we're going to take out this song this week. This is from our sister program, The Bridge Loud. Jed actually sat down with a licensed social worker to talk about bullying, the effect it has, the kind of things someone who's dealing with bullying might want to tell themselves, or if you had a friend telling about that. So I thought, given our first question tonight, that would be a very good song to take us out with. It features the vocal styles of Miss Lydia Salnikova from the Grammy Award-winning band Bearing Straight. Take out that. It's called What They Say About Me. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Disney might buy the church, but they can't buy us unless it's with money. In that case, calls. <laughs> <laughs>
about me.